Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 60, being recorded on Thursday, November 17th, 2016. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and hey, Jason and Scott listeners. We are a week away from Thanksgiving 2016, which is the official kickoff of the holiday season. Uh, hope everyone's ready and your virtual shelves are stocked to capacity, your promotions are locked and loaded, and you're ready for an awesome holiday. In the spirit of holiday, today on the show, we're going to go over all the forecasts out there for holiday 16, and we have a special guest. Tamara Gaffney from Adobe. Tamara is the principal analyst and director of the Adobe Digital Index. Welcome. We're really excited to have you here on the Jason and Scott Show. Thank you for having me. I feel like I'm so honored to be on the 60th episode. Wow, you guys have been doing this a bit. We have. It's officially right at a year now. And for those that know us, it's even more impressive that we could do anything for a year. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, Tamara, before we jump into it, um, I'd love it if you could share a little bit with our listeners uh, about your background. Oh, okay. Well, a little bit about me and the Adobe Digital uh, Insights team. We got created about four years ago, and we're set up as a totally separate like think tank inside of Adobe. What we do is we access all of the data across our marketing cloud, and actually we're starting to go into our creative cloud as well, to identify trends and put together predictions and really just kind of tell the story about what's going on with digital, digital experiences from any angle. So it's a super fun job. I have the best job on the planet, and I have a fantastic team of data scientists, data analysts, uh, people who put all this information together and give me a lot to talk about. So I've got lots to say, probably more than you have time for, but uh, and and I love to really find that great new insight out of out of big data analysis. Well, we are excited to talk to a real live data geek. Um, the the I think of you guys year round, of course, um, but I also I always especially think of you this time of year, which is why we are so happy to have you on the show. Um, because one of the things that uh, in my mind the digital uh, digital index is known for is publishing a lot of great insights um, leading into holiday about what holiday is going to look like. And then, you know, once holiday starts happening, you guys are one of the, the really good sources for how things are going. And so I guess the, the first thing that might be useful to our listeners is, uh, where are you getting the data that you use for all those insights? So our data is coming from a variety of sources. The biggest source for this data set is coming out of the Adobe Analytics solution, which you used to call Omniture, and some people still do. Very popular brand. Um, So that data is representing $7.50 out of every $10 spent online. So we have got these huge retailers in our data set, provides us with a lot of opportunity to see what's happening very quickly. There are 4,500 retail websites in this analysis, 
And the thing that we've done in the last year to really amp up the sophistication is we've gone into the shopping carts and we're looking at product sales. We're looking at the price paid, the quantity, and the product name, and we're normalizing that across our retailers so that we can tell what the price paid would be for 55 million SKUs. We're also just at the cusp of developing uh, the whole digital economy project whereby we're producing a digital price index that supports and provides greater insight into what's happening digitally for uh, the versus the CPI. So we're starting to have amazing conversations with academics and government and just this tremendous thing is growing and it's because we have so much data. But we also did some survey research. We use social mentions. Um, in the future, we're planning on using some creative crowd information, like for example, imagery to help us understand the totality of what's going on in this holiday period. But we, we do all kinds of reports. We did over 100 reports last year on a variety of different subjects. So this is the one we're most known for, but we're covering a lot of ground in various places. Very cool. And I, I'm imagining a future when you're using the Creative Cloud, are you actually going to count how many different Star Wars figures the Mattel artists happen to be drawing with their licenses? And maybe that's a little too you know, granular. You know, what I, you know what I'll tell you, though, is like on my my wish list for my own team's Christmas gifts to me, um, I want to be able to determine the business impact of creativity. Won't that be cool if we can really draw together all of the information from the marketing cloud and the creative cloud to really speak about why it's so important to maintain your level of creativity as a business? So anyway, that'll be totally cool if it bears out that creativity has a favorable um, business value. If it doesn't, then I don't want to see the data. Come on. It has to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, Tamara, just a couple of uh, sort of clarifying questions just so we uh, listeners understand the data set. Um, So, uh, as you mentioned, you you won't say it about yourself, but you're, you know, one of the most popular analytics tool on the web. And so... The, you know, a ton of e-commerce sites are instrumented with it and you get to see all that data. And it sounds like you're doing a bunch of extra hard work to normalize all that data, you know, because not necessarily every retailer um, uh, calls a skew the same thing, for example. And so, so you know, it sounds like there's there's some data magic going on there. The But for the Adobe Analytics clients or for Omniture clients, are, are they... I'm imagining it's a pretty good cross-section of all types of retailers. So there's pure play retailers in there and omni-channel retailers. Yes, there are all kinds of retailers across pretty much every category that you can imagine. We tend to skew towards the larger-sized retailers overall. Um, So it, it probably doesn't represent small business quite as well as it does some of the larger, but from the standpoint of the volume of shopping, it certainly captures most everything. And I do want to point out that when we're accessing this data, it has no personally identifiable information in it. It's all aggregated, and we make sure that we're aggregating it to a high enough level. I describe it as if we're looking at the satellite picture of the Earth from space. I want to see where the hurricanes are forming. I want to know what the weather pattern looks like. I don't need to know, you know, where the droplets are landing. Um, and so we don't look at that level of detail. And so nobody should worry about that. 
Got it. The um, one clarification. So I'm the marketplace guy on the show, and uh, I imagine one of the the areas you can't see into is eBay and some of the marketplaces like Amazon and their marketplace, and then Walmart has a marketplace as well. Uh, is that true, or is there some way you're seeing that as well? So there are some things that are true about that statement and other things that are not. And because I protect the identity of who all is in my sample, I won't tell you exactly, but I will tell you that it is representative of most everything and the things that it's not representative of, we know um, how to, how to make it predictive of those as well, because we've been doing this now for four years and we have so much data. I mean, when you have 75% of all the data, it's, it's not that hard a predictive model to build, frankly. Got it. Cool. Um, so thanks for giving us that background. That's always helpful. And um, another thing I'll point out is a lot of the data that comes out, and, and this drives Jason particularly crazy, is very survey-oriented, and it'll have like, you know, 200 respondents and stuff like that. So we, we love we'd love it when there's a, you know, actual transactional data, which, which I think is awesome. Um Kind of starting at a macro level, let's let's dig into this. Um, some of your predictions on the holiday. Uh, I was I collect some of the things that are out there, and I saw eMarketer came in at seventeen percent for year over year e-commerce growth for for this year is what they're predicting. Uh, Deloitte came in; they kind of seem to be the high water mark at seventeen to nineteen. Um, sadly, NRF they did a they did a prediction, but it's just for all of retail, so it's three point six percent. They didn't break out e-commerce. And then earlier today, uh, Comscore came out with six. 16 to 19%. Um, do you guys kind of pontificate that and kind of say, what do you think the holiday is going to be this year? Well, we look at what everybody else is saying and we look at what our data is saying. And uh, frankly, we were a little concerned about how high the predictions were relative to what our data was saying. Uh, so we did a lot of scrubbing. What we came in with was 11% growth year over year. And I will say that growth rates need to be really understood we are talking about growth on top of growth on top of growth. And so it's always going to become slower growth as the market gets bigger. Any, any you know, mathematician kind of can see how that works. The actual retail dollar amount that we're calculating is about $91 billion for the period from November 1st through December 31st. And when we look at the whole model, uh, we have been tracking the first half of November and we're seeing some really troubling trends that we're going to hold off for a bit, but we are actually thinking at this point we may need to revise our prediction down into the single digits because of the impact of the election. Wow. Um, so that that's interesting. I, I want to get to your last point, um, but before I do, one of the other things in my mind that that makes it really hard to sort of apples to apples any of these forecasts is they all call it holiday, but then they, they may choose a different uh, date period, for example. And that that can skew the data quite a bit. Like even if everyone had the same same level of accuracy when you're you know talking about including January and holiday or not and, you know, whether you're you're stopping at the, the last e-commerce shipping day or going all the way through December 31st as you are like all of those things would would have some some uh, impact in there. Um, and one thing I do know about this holiday that seems pretty meaningful is this year uh, we have two more shipping days between Black Friday and Christmas. Yeah, so. that's true. And every time we see the market um, have longer amounts of time between Black Friday and the and the end of the season, we get more opportunity to spend. And so that that increases our ability to grow the season. 
But when we're looking at a daily average, um, those days, we're expecting really to see most of the growth coming. Retailers are trying very hard right now to get us out shopping, by the way. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but everyone has Black Friday everything all the time right now. Mm-hmm. That's almost as if Black Friday is just, you know, this general concept and not a particular day. And so they're trying to get us out shopping. It's not working. We can talk about that in a second. Where we're seeing the most growth come is for retailers at the very tail end of the season. And even after those last shipping days, we're seeing more growth coming from online because of Click and Collect. Click and Collect has been rolled out nationwide for many retailers. And they are able now to buy online, pick up in store. So they've extended out the season all the way to Christmas Eve. And that allows online shopping to grow in those periods. Um, and it helps procrastinators immensely, which is great for me because that's where I fall. But when we think about online, it's really that tail end of the season that we're seeing um, our bigger growth of 25% in the, in the second half of December. When we think about various days, though, the other thing to, to consider is whether or not the group that's being measured are big or small in terms of retailers, because when we look at the large retailers in our sample, they're growing at 16.6%. So you get a lot closer to some of the other uh, estimates, whereas the smaller ones are growing at 7%. I think this is fascinating because when the web first started, it was supposed to be the great equalizer of the large and small business. And it is actually now um, even more punitive to small businesses who can't keep up with mobile device and technology trends and all the different things and paying for keywords and all of that has created a big challenge to the point where they have to combine or consolidate into a bigger retailer in order to get the economies of scope and scale that those big retailers have amassed. Yeah, that's fascinating. So the so e-commerce is becoming somewhat less democratized as the as the big players are able to consolidate their their size to their advantage. Absolutely. And not only is it less democratized from the standpoint of just keeping up, but when you look at consumer patterns, what we're seeing is that we're starting to get loyalty patterns. We're starting to see that people don't shop around as much for lowest price. In fact, our data showed that 27% of all the sales for a particular item during the general season was bought at a higher price. And then when we looked at the holiday season, it was still 25%. And so those quarter of the people who are online are not shopping price. That's really clear to us. What are they shopping? Loyalty, convenience, return policy, quality, things that they believe are more important than price. And um, as a result, that lack of democratization is getting even harder because certain folks are starting to win and we're not going to shop at other places that are new anymore because we're getting very comfortable with the ones we shop at. Yep. So that that's super interesting. Uh, another factor I always like to look at in holiday, and I I, I very intentionally differentiate this from price, but is uh, free shipping, and and it feels like there's some interesting uh, new trends in in free shipping this year than the last couple of years um, that that I for one think may have an effect on on holiday this year. Um, but in, in my mind. People are more affected by by certain kinds of fees and shipping being one of those than they are by overall price. So, you know, free shipping motivates people to buy. Uh, every year, retailers go through all this calculus to decide what their shipping cutoffs should be and how how promotional they should be with shipping. And uh, you know, a couple of years ago, 
they they tried to capture more shipping rates and had a really bad holiday. So for the last couple of years, they've been super aggressive at giving away free shipping. Um, this year, it looks like they're pulling back on the free shipping promotions again. And so, you know, frankly, like that alone causes me to suspect it's not going to be a record holiday. Do, do Are you guys able to see shipping rates and do you factor that into your into your evaluation? Well, we can see it. We haven't factored it into uh, the overall picture of how much it costs, you know, a basket to be totally bought. What we can see, though, is that mobile is going up in visits dramatically and underperforming dramatically on its percentage of sales coming from mobile. And the thing is, with free shipping, one of the biggest angles about that is how many things do you have to have in your cart before you qualify for free shipping? If you can just buy one at a time and get free shipping, you're more likely to convert a mobile shopping cart because that's what we do when we're on a mobile device. We don't shop as much. We just want to buy stuff because it's the moment that we need to buy it. We're like, oh, got to buy this thing. Um, I want to press, you know, purchase. I want it to be easy. I don't want to have to fill anything and fat finger type my address. I want to just make this happen and I want to not pay for shipping. If I have to add a bunch of stuff to my cart, what ends up happening is I abandon my cart in the middle because it takes too long for that shopping visit. And then we have this huge cart abandonment problem, um, which we can talk about more. I've got tons of detail on cart abandonment, but that's, that's a huge challenge for the mobile device is that the cart abandonment is um, so high and the amount of money being spent in a mobile cart is much lower. So we're just not seeing the revenue come. And we're also seeing that those who are using their mobile device, this is one thing people say, and my data is, is pointing to it not being true. They say, I start my shopping visit on my mobile phone and I finish it on my desktop. My data is showing that that's not true. You start it on your mobile device and then you never finish it for the most part. So... That's awesome. That's, that's that actually settles challenge. a debate between us and uh, I win. So I really appreciate that data point. <laughs> <laughs> you just proved Jason wrong. Boom. If, if we're we going to announce every time Jason's proved wrong, we're going to have to make this a two-hour show. <laughs> you need like a cowbell to ring whenever Jason's wrong. <laughs> I, yeah, I will, I'll add that in in post, as they say. Uh, I desperately want to jump into mobile. I'm super fascinated by that. But you said something else uh, equally titillating to me Um uh, a moment ago that I want to dig into first. Uh, so we're, we're going to have a cruddy holiday and it's because of the election. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent ready to call it a cruddy holiday. I'm teasing on the cruddy, uh, but, but yeah, it is, it is just not looking good right now. So what happened is we were looking at uh, all the data for the first 15 days and we didn't really expect to have that much of a story because in 2012, it just didn't do anything to commerce. It was like, yeah, you know, we just go on with our lives. There's a new president or there's an election and it's not a big deal. This year, uh, not so much the case. And I, I wrote a blog post on this called, you know, pound epic data fail Mageddon because of all of the people who thought that the election was going to go one way and it didn't. And mostly because of um, survey research being the main tool. Uh, we looked at some social media data and we found that if people had factored in social media, which at the time, you know, granted, nobody knew was predictive. It actually did predict the outcome of the election out of social media, out of observed behavior instead of self-reported behavior, which is why I'm just so 
much of a fan of making sure that you have all the data collected that you can, because you really don't know the picture until you see it from every angle. So uh, during the election, what we did is we looked at whether or not people were shopping the same amount in their basket, whether they were converting at the same amount, or whether they were just not going to shop. And it turned out that they were not going to shop. When we see the visit rate to retailers, it went to negative 10% the day after the election, meaning we shrunk 10% in visits on that day. And then the big shopping day that we're supposed to kick off some of our big sales is Veterans Day. And we were expecting to see a 16% growth that day. And we came in at about 1%. So when we looked at the entire first part of November, we are at about 1.3% growth, whereas we predicted to be at 7.8% growth at this time period. We have lost, according to our model, $800 million in the consumers being distracted by election conversation. On the good news side, media websites have doubled their traffic during the same period. So all that advertising revenue is coming in, but it's not resulting in uh, the shopping. We are also seeing today and yesterday be down below our predictions. So we're not rebounding. The reason why is because some really big states that buy a lot have gone exceedingly negative. The biggest one being California, the second biggest one being New York, uh, but also Connecticut, Hawaii, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Jersey, Washington. You, you sense the theme. These are states that were surprised by the outcome and not in a good way. And so they are not shopping. And if they don't get back on board and shop, we are going to have uh, to revise our prediction down. Wow, that's fascinating. And I assume that is the part that's not really possible to know yet is, does that election hangover cause them not to spend or does that just defer their spending and shift it to later in holiday? Every time I've seen spending come down below what it, what it ideally would be, according to our uh, model, we have not seen it recover. So that $800 million, I do not believe will come back. But putting it into context, that's less than 1% of the entire season's spend. So it's not the worst thing that ever happened. And it certainly does not indicate whether or not you're going to see positive earnings releases from these retailers because we're also tracking discount levels. And we're finding that at least so far, we're not seeing price drops as much as we did last year at this time. And that tells me that retailers are holding on to more margin this year. It kind of fits in line with less free shipping. So they may actually come out looking very good out of this whole thing. But consumers, in order to have the exact kind of same Christmas they had last year, may have to be spending more money than they felt comfortable with. Interesting. I know one thing that factors into that is Last year, a lot of retailers went into holiday with a bad inventory position, i.e. they were they they were over skewed. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're forced to do more promotions um, when you have too much product. And, so, you know, I, I know a lot of retailers have at least talked this year about being a lot smarter about their inventory levels. And so that would allow them to sit on that inventory a little bit longer and, and you know, get get the their preferred price for it. Yeah, there's that. There's also, there have been some things that we've seen going up in sales volume much earlier than before. So, for example, Christmas decor. Christmas decor was up 18% year over year before Halloween. In fact, most of the retailers I visited didn't really even have much Halloween 
they just switched to Christmas. And that tells me that they're getting super good at figuring out how to optimize our spending and bring in the better profit margins. So I would definitely not say that my prediction that the online growth will be lower than the 11% that we originally went out with is going to necessarily translate into um, retailers saying that they had a bad season. Could it be, um, this may help understand the data, could it be, and I I don't believe this, could it be that everyone decided to just shop offline instead of online and and retailers are going to also, you know, the people are out there shopping? Do you have any way to see any of that data? Yeah, we don't have any way to see that. We have some survey data. You know, that's where the NRF comes in with reporting back what the retailers are saying they're getting uh, in various places. I just don't see any reason why that would happen. In fact, I see many more reasons why we would go to click and collect because we've been watching click and collect grow as a part of our retail sample for the last year. Mm -hmm. And I think that people in general are less interested in doing routine tasks or tasks that sucking up their time. We're looking at a, at a new world where experiences and um, the, the things we do with our time are much more carefully selected and things that we can routinely offload. Like, for example, you think about pantry boxes and the things that we buy all the time, like toilet paper. We don't necessarily want to go have to do that anymore. We set up our own systems to deliver us stuff. I just saw that Domino's made its first pizza delivery by drone. And, uh, and while that may not be something that we see very soon, I'm kind of thinking, wow, okay, I better start looking at my tree trimming to figure out my landing zone of my house <laughs> for my future drone delivery. Um, but I don't want to go out to the store uh, and buy things that I could get more easily delivered to my door. And most people are going that way. So I yeah. don't think that, that we're, that we're going to see this shift back to going in store out of, out of uh, the season. So we, we've had kind of a lukewarm start here, um, and we're a week away from Thanksgiving. As we roll into Thanksgiving, what are some of the things that you're looking for this year? Um, so far, I've heard you talk a fair amount about mobile, um, omni-channel, which is kind of that click and collect, and maybe buy online, pick up, and start, uh, you know, ship from store. Uh, social is usually a pretty hot area. You mentioned some state data, which I thought was kind of interesting. What are what are kind of the top four or five areas you're, you're keeping a, a close eye on? Well, the, the very top thing is just taking a look at how much uh, growth we're getting on key days. The big growth day, the biggest growth day for the last couple of years in this weekend, the holiday weekend, is Thanksgiving Day. And it has been for the last few years. Uh, so we're expecting Thanksgiving Day to break $2 billion for the first time this year. Black Friday is the second growth at um, breaking $3 billion this year. And just a few years ago, there were only a couple of billion-dollar days in online at all. And now 57 out of 61 days will be over a billion dollars online. So it just kind of shows you how the tide has risen across the entire season. Um, Cyber Monday is really interesting because it used to be that Cyber Monday existed so that we could gather up our gift list go into the office where we had a high-speed connection and do our shopping from our desktops. And what we're actually seeing now is Cyber Monday has not been growing as fast. It's still the biggest shopping day ever. I say that every year, and it's always true. We're coming in at $3.36 billion for that day. But I think what's really fascinating about Cyber Monday is it's the highest growth mobile shopping day of the weekend. 
And that, that 26% growth versus last year, is fascinating because that was supposed to be the day that we used our desktops. And it's now the day we use our mobile devices just as much. It's 49% of the visits are going to come from a mobile device. So that is telling me that our shopping patterns are shifting to uh, email and things that we do off of our phone in the morning. We have gotten extremely used to picking up our phone before we even take our feet off the bed and looking at email. And that is one of the main reasons why we see mobile shopping going up. Uh, It's also interesting to note that when we ask people where they think they're going to get the best deal, they say email. And when we look at where people came from in order to get the best deal and observe behavior, it's display advertising. Email was third. So, (laughs) So consumers actually don't know where the best price is. Yeah, with um, there's been a lot of news reports about malls kind of bucking the trend and closing on Thanksgiving so their employees can spend time with their families. Um, do you think that's going to kind of – does your model show that causing even more acceleration into our online Thanksgiving? It doesn't factor that in because it's really impossible to figure out how to predict that out of the data we have. But it could cause Thanksgiving to grow even faster than we expected. It's going to be interesting to watch. I want to jump uh, into mobile a little bit more because as Scott already pointed out, uh, it's a hotly contested topic here on the show. And uh, you may have inadvertently um, revealed some data that makes me look foolish. So uh, I want to uh, rub some salt in that potential wound. Um, so <laughs> the the first thing you mentioned was, hey, there's this. Uh, perception that there are multi-device shoppers that start on start on mobile and finish on some other device, and you're not seeing a lot of that. Are are you saying you uh, that that was always true that people talked about that and never did it, or do you feel like that was a a common behavior in the past and it's becoming less or or I don't maybe common's too wrong a word. It's becoming less common now than it used to be. So here's how I come to that conclusion, and you'll kind of see that you can poke holes in it, but. Because I've been looking at so much data across so many subjects for a couple of years, I'm able to see more patterns than are probably obvious at the you know fate facade of this data. But here's the uh, backdrop. What we don't have yet, and we're trying to build, and um, we're trying to build it in the marketing cloud, and other people are trying to build it too, is a single device identifier across all devices. Right. So when you come from your mobile device and when you come from your desktop and when you come from a different browser on your desktop and then you switch your mobile device, you look all disjointed to an analytics data. It's coming in by cookies or device identifiers and it gets all disjointed unless you authenticate. And by authenticate, I mean sign in and say, I am who I am. Right. I'm Tamara. And so therefore I'm shopping. And now you can figure out I'm on my mobile phone or versus I'm on my desktop. Well, it turns out that when we look at authenticated data, the total number of devices accessing retailer websites was only 1.2 devices. We know from talking to people and just living in the world that we're accessing data from multiple devices, but we're not actually shopping in authenticated mode on all those devices. So that's one thing that leads me to understand that there isn't that much kind of coming from one and going to the other that's in authenticated mode. The other thing that I've noticed is that we did an analysis of the total visits to the whole World Wide Web as we can measure it, which is a pretty big portion of it, and we tried to see how much growth there is over the web in general. And we're talking about browsing, not apps usage, so there's potentially some elements of switching over to apps, but 
the web is not growing. For the last two years, we have a 0.1% growth rate in visits. That's it. When we looked at the websites that were growing or shrinking, we found that 60% were growing, 40% were shrinking, and there was no middle. Nobody was staying the same or just kind of keeping up. It turns out that you're either succeeding or failing on the web right now. And because there's no growth rate, what we're seeing is that as people switch to their mobile devices, they are not surfing as much with their desktops. So if we were doing a lot of surfing with our mobile and then doing uh, extra surfing with our desktop, we would see the web growing. That's just not happening. So I just don't see evidence to support that we're double dipping shopping on multiple devices from any data set that I look at. Interesting. And uh, I mean, I, I think that first thing, like at the moment, we don't have great data to see it, right? Like the sad thing is, uh, it seems like there's only a handful of sites that get really high percentages of their users to be authenticated. And most of those aren't e-commerce sites, right? Like it's Facebook and Google. Like I imagine they could settle this debate for us if they ever wanted to disclose it. Um, the There's one big retailer that has a lot of authenticated users, but I, I don't think they're in your data set. And so then, you know, you look at the rest of retail and, and the best buys in Walmarts of the world um, the targets, the staples, all, all those guys sort of at the top of the IR 500, um, will tell you that, you know, an overwhelming majority of their, their purchase occasions are from unauthenticated users. That's right. And that's why it's been so hard to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, as far as, you know, your, your visits across devices. And so those are the holes you can poke in my argument. Uh, one day, probably fairly soon, we'll be able to ha- to know for sure. And you're right, there are some folks who could settle this debate, but I guess they, they choose to keep it to themselves exactly. for a variety of good reasons. Yeah. And to- uh, but but when, when we think about this shopping behavior, um, you know, this level of distraction and the amount of shopping carts that get abandoned on mobile devices, uh, if, if you think about it from your own perspective, you can probably really only count maybe a fraction, maybe 10% of the carts you abandoned that you actually picked up again on, on another device. So if you sit down and think about your own behavior, you'll probably find that you don't complete those carts. Cool. Um, and I, 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 but for the record, you know, I don't think that that's a overwhelmingly common um, behavior. Like I, there is some older Google data out there uh, that talks about that being a, a, a higher occurrence, um, flow than, than uh, people might believe. But I would also point out Google has sort of a, a, a self-serving motive in promoting that there's a lot of cross-user uh, behavior and that they're selling a lot of ads on desktop that they that are less effective on mobile. So if people aren't moving from mobile to desktop, uh, then the, the value of Google ads is somewhat diminished. Um, but uh, putting yeah, that and on, I, and oh. I, I do want to say that it, it has more to do with shopping that I'm looking at. For example, email and using, you know, our Gmail account or something like that, that's really cross-device for sure, but not necessarily with the shopping. Yeah. So what? uh, this is all a small part of a bigger problem that I think all three of us have recognized, and it's the one that Scott and I debate a little bit, which is, so pretty clear, no matter what metrics, no matter what data source you use, uh, traffic is dramatically shifting to mobile devices, uh, but conversion rate and and uh, sales revenue on those mobile devices is dramatically lower than it was on desktops. And so I guess 
can a can you validate that's that's what your data shows as well and do you see that that challenge uh getting any better or has it stayed consistent or what's the what's the story with yeah, mobile conversion think, yeah for sure this is this is one of the things where having access to analytics data, it doesn't matter which device you came from. Um, I can see where you came from and what device you were using. And so I can pretty much tell exactly what's happening. In this holiday season, we're expecting 53% of the visits for the whole two-month period to come from a mobile device. We include tablets in that, uh, but most of the growth is coming from smartphones and Tablets are actually starting to decline in terms of a percentage. It's around you know, 10% depends on the country. But the, so 53%, so more than half of all the visits to retailers are going to come from a mobile device, but only 34% of their revenue is going to come from the mobile device. That's a 19% gap. And that is a huge challenge because if they're not getting the desktop visit to make up the difference, they're essentially losing ground on revenue. And the only way to bring it back is to enable um, you to want to convert more often out of your mobile device. Mm-hmm. So things like free shipping on a smaller basket are important because that will allow you to want to convert. If you look at the conversion rates, we're definitely seeing, I, I mentioned this before, we're definitely seeing a really big challenge But we are also seeing a challenge from the standpoint of people not adding as many things to their cart. So the average order value of a mobile device is only $120 and a desktop is $155. Now, that's of a completed cart. Uh, but So it's $35 difference in terms of the average amount of money. And the conversion rate on a desktop is 3.5%. And on a smartphone, it's 1.3%. So all told, the revenue per visit from a smartphone is 3.6 times lower than it is from a desktop. And that's just a tremendous challenge for retailers. Do, do you, um, so uh, I totally buy that. What do you think is the root cause of that gap? Is it, um, it sounds like you're saying uh, a high bar on free shipping. And I've also thought that there's a lot of friction. Like if, if I'm not logged in and I'm on my phone, I'm not going to do a bill to ship to. And, and probably the way you see it is uh cart abandonment. Does does that kind of jive? Yeah. So we, this is where we use some survey data because it's, it's actually helpful. And what we did was we asked people why they didn't convert. And uh, the biggest reason was they wanted to see the product in more detail and the phone screen size was too small. So mm-hmm. the more expensive products that you're going to buy, you're more hesitant to uh, execute a purchase on your phone because you can't necessarily see it as well. And even with a bigger screen, bigger size smartphone, it's still not as easy to see. The other thing is bad mobile experience. Uh, You run into a glitch along the way and you get frustrated and you back out. The other is uh, form fill-outs. You just, you don't want this to be hard. It has to be super easy to convert. And sometimes you have to put in too much information and it's just, you, you run into, I just don't want to do this or I can't do this or I don't have time. Um, so, so those are some of the reasons why people don't convert on their mobile devices. And like I said, it's, it's our memory for the things that we wanted to buy kind of starts to fade as soon as that moment passes. I do think that we're going to see an unprecedented number of remails. And a remail, in case anyone out there doesn't know what I'm talking about, are those emails that you get back after you abandon a cart. 
This only works if you're authenticated because they don't know on an unauthenticated visit who you are. But if you are signed in or using a mobile app, you might get a message back saying, hey, you remember that thing you were looking at? You know, why don't you buy it? Um, and sometimes you see those in display advertising as well. You'll see that item you were looking at. The big challenge for retailers who want to provide a personalized digital experience, which is the holy grail of where we want to be in marketing, but also as consumers, we want to be spoken to um, effectively. But what's happening is that this disjointed kind of thing between our mobile device and our browser is going to cause us to see a lot more of those remails. And we may have actually already bought that good. And so we're getting annoyed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll have to see how personalization works in this scenario until we can stitch together the devices that people are using to interact. One one other kind of interesting data point that, that I see out there all the time I'd love to pick your brain on is, uh, you know, you see these stats and the one that gets repeated a lot is 80% of mobile sales are iOS and 20% are Android or, you know, um, Android is a fourth of iOS or iOS is 4X of Android. Um, do you guys see that in your data? And, and I'm curious, like, what do you think is the root cause of that? Yeah, we do see, uh, we've always seen iOS as a higher percentage of the volume of sales, um, total revenue, and also the average order values are higher on iOS. I believe, I don't have evidence to support this, but I believe it has to do with the segment of the, the world who has an iOS device. The devices themselves tended to be higher price points and haven't really been all that discounted. And so, uh, unless you have a pass-along iOS device, which there's more of now than there used to be, you have probably got higher income capacity and or are somebody who's more gadgety and therefore willing to spend online. And so I think that's what it has to do with. When we look at Android cutouts by a variety of different data points, for example, when we have a uh, look at our, our video consumption ba- behavior on media sites, we find that Android devices spike up in terms of media consumption during major sporting events. So you can kind of start to see that there's a demographic difference underneath iOS and Android that is causing uh, some of those numbers to come out the way they are. It's always been fascinating, too, that the marketplace says that there's so many more Android shipments. And even if we don't look at revenue, we just look at visits, total number of visits iOS still wins in total number of visits. And given that there are more Android phones out there, you'd think that Android would would win. But there are more engaged uh, group of people. Maybe they're paying more for a data plan, and so therefore they can surf more. I just, you know, those are the types of things that I think are behind the iOS and Android differences. So, so geeks have iPhones and jocks have Androids. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So it seems more demographic than functional. There's not something inherently in the Android OS or anything that kind of makes it convert less or anything like that. So that, that's more, that's interesting. Yeah, that's what I think. I, I mean, I, I'm an iOS user and I've actually started to become a bit disillusioned um, about how my device is working relative to some of the things I see on some of the new Androids in terms of the amount of innovation that's going on in some of those devices is outpacing my device. And also the other thing that I'm seeing and I'm starting to get really frustrated by is I have an Amazon echo at home and I use Alexa a lot and she, she's great. She knows exactly what I want and she puts things on my list and plays stuff for me. 
And then I try and do the same thing with my Siri and my voice assist is terrible. So I'm, I'm just really I'm fascinating to see how I've been around in technology long enough to see the big players fall and the, the, the fallen players, you know, rise from the ashes and go back again. It's a very cyclical business. And so um, I'm, I'm going to keep watching iOS versus Android because I have a feeling that Android will start to pick up. No, no empire has ever successfully predicted their own demise. So you're, you're certainly right there. Uh, and I think we can add the, the natural language agents to the top of the pile of, of places where Amazon has changed consumer expectations and ruined it for everyone else. Um, I've ruined you. Yeah, but I love it. <laughs> no, I do. I think, I think, uh, you're preaching to the choir here. Uh, <laughs> the, I wanted to uh, touch on one thing you you mentioned earlier. You talked about remail and particularly how annoying it is uh, when people are remarketing a, a product that you've already bought. Uh, there's you know a, a a bonus acute version of that over holidays where the remarketing ads ruin the holiday surprise for a family member that you share a, a tablet or or a laptop with. Um, but my, my theory is the most acute version of that problem is because of omnichannel, because people research stuff online and then they ultimately buy it in the store. And of course, uh, they have no way to take you out of that digital marketing campaign because they, they don't know you're the same person when you bought it in the store. Um, and that, that comes back to our, our, our old nemesis, the attribution problem. And I, I'm just curious, uh, I know you're a user of a, da- of the data rather than the creator of the, da- da- the data in the Adobe ecosystem. Um, but do you see any, any potential for us to start getting better omni-channel attribution? And what, what do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, it, the, the structure is there for omni-channel to work. The challenge is getting all of the systems amongst these various retailers and, and everyone else who wants to use Omnichannel to sync up and, and work together. So there's still a lot of really big lifting to do in order to make that all work. The data isn't in the same format, in the same place. Sometimes it's owned by marketing. Sometimes it's owned by IT. And those departments haven't really figured out how to you know get it all together. We have, for example, in Adobe Analytics, we have a transaction ID number that you can write into Analytics, and you can upload the um, in-store data with the identifiable stuff. We've got Audience Manager that's trying to help you stitch together. We've got the Device Co-op to try and help with that. So there's a variety of different structural things that are that are present, but they're not really being used yet because people are not able to get that far in their technology implementation, they're still really trying to handle mobile. And it's been five years, and they're still trying to handle mobile. And so getting to that next layer of omnichannel, of device mapping, all that stuff is a level of sophistication that requires much more emphasis on, you know, integrating data and infrastructure and stuff like that. Got it. Uh, we know you're super busy and we're tight on time. So uh, my last question, we just had Singles Day. Um, you know, uh, Alibaba has been trying to push Singles Day kind of outside of China and get more U.S. firms involved in it. Uh, you've already kind of talked about, uh, you know, we're, we've had a pretty morass start to the holiday. Did you see any anything in your data that there's some spillover from, from that Chinese holiday uh, here in the U.S.? We had seen that starting to happen a couple of years ago. We didn't see it nearly as much this year as we had in the past. 
I have a theory. I have no data to support this, but I think part of what's going on is that enough consumers have tried out um, retailers from outside the country and discovered some of the gotchas in buying from those retailers that they're not as interested in continuing to do business with with that. Um, And that might be why we're not seeing Singles Day come into the United States to the degree that I said I saw that happen two years ago. So uh, that's that's my theory. I don't have a lot of data to support it. And we didn't track uh, the Chinese marketplace this year. We had in the past. And this year we just decided that it was really difficult to get an accurate view of what's going on out of our data. So we decided to forego that one. Interesting. Listen, uh, Tamara, I've been particularly pleased to have you on the show because, you know, we're, we're big advocates of observed versus stated behavior. And obviously you guys have one of the great data sets out there of observed behavior. You, you mentioned it earlier in the show, I, right before the show, I ran two quick test surveys. I, I surveyed 10 uh, alcoholics to see if they could stop drinking, and all 10 assured me they could. Um, and I, I asked 10 consumers if they were going to uh, do their uh, their shopping online or in store, and uh, uh, apparently 100% of all, all holiday shopping is going to be online this year. So that kind of refutes your, your forecast. Um, you're going into you're going into election polling next, yeah? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Nate, I, I I have a bunch of emails from Nate Silver right now. He wants to add me to the pull up polls, um, but the, <laughs> uh, I obviously I jest. Um, how can folks find your data? How should they be following uh, the Adobe Digital Index? Is there a a, a URL or or an email list or what's the best way to to get more of the goodness? Yeah, get yeah get our goodness. We've got a ton of stuff coming out. We post everything to a website called cmo.com. So it's uh, cmo.com slash Adobe Digital Insights. Um, we used to be called Index, but we've changed our name. So it's Insights now. And we, you can go find us there. There's a place at the bottom of almost every article that says, if you'd like to subscribe, click here. Um, go ahead and subscribe. We're not going to send you anything besides an alert that we just put out new data. It's just a, just a Adobe Digital Insights uh, email blast. And that, that could be helpful because we are putting out so much data all the time. And then, you know, I am out and about. I'm going to be in New York on Thanksgiving weekend. I've got uh, television on uh, CNBC. I'm going to be on the Today Show. Um, I'm going to be um, on the New York Stock Exchange floor. So uh, so if you, if you get a chance to see Adobe Digital Insights uh, anywhere in a conference or whatever, um, I'm, I'm out and about. So come find me. That is awesome. Uh, listeners, please don't try to write down that URL while you're driving your car. I'll put it in the show notes and you can uh, click on it from your <laughs> podcast uh, viewer. Um, but with that, I, I'm sorry to inform everyone that it's happened again. We've spent a perfectly good chunk of our listeners' time. So tomorrow, we're really grateful for you taking the time out. I know this is the busiest time of the year for you uh, to join us on the show. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a great time to talk. Thanks, Tamara, and thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.